Well, we've been actually in the season of Advent looking every week at the promise that has come through Jesus and all sorts of things he accomplished and did, and now we're to the day. We're to the day that we remember, that we look back. And in case you don't know, there are four accounts of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection in the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John each have a different account of this, different aspect. We think of it as like this beautiful gem, and each one, when you look at how they tell the story, is a little different perspective on it. And the one we're going to look at today is John's. And I want to tell you this about John's perspective. John looks at the coming of Jesus and gives image, really gives perspective on what it means, what it accomplished, what came as a result of Jesus being here. The others tell very specifically the story of his birth. And so this gives image more. And to kind of engage us, we're only going to look at just a few sentences of John's letter describing it. But I want you just to begin with the fact that John uses a metaphor of darkness and light. And John is doing this not simply, ah, I thought I'd pick darkness and light. But John, remember, is looking back. He spent all these years with Jesus. He was one of his disciples. And now Jesus has died and risen, and John is retelling all that he saw happen. And John goes all the way back, looking back over Israel's history, looking back at the way history unfolded and how even these prophets that were centuries before, in the midst of this mess, described what life was like and what it would be like when Messiah came. In fact, one of the descriptors that are said of the prophets over and over is that people walked in darkness. In fact, as they describe Israel and really humanity, they describe over and over again this darkness, the darkness that leaves us to be lost, the darkness in the world that is difficult, the struggles and the pains and the sorrow, those messes that we create and the messes that are upon us that indeed the world is a dark place full of misery and struggle. And then John describes it this way, that though there was darkness, there came light. And he says the light overcomes it. The darkness cannot hide from it, cannot even always understand it. But John is saying that when Jesus comes, he takes a world that is dark and broken and a mess, and the very coming of him will bring light. Now that matters. I just want you to understand it or at least know it. I want to give you two more thoughts before we see the actual passage because they'll help you understand it if you haven't been around the church. And even if you have, do you ever have that where people pretend like they know what it is? It's like, uh, yeah, sure, uh, I know what you're talking about. They don't. And it's okay. But it's for all of us to understand. And one of them that John uses is called the word. He really, it's just word. It's logos, but we see it as the word. And that matters for us in that John is giving a descriptor here as he's setting the stage for what it means that Jesus came. In fact, the way John's letter begins is it says, in the beginning was the word. Now, John is saying in the beginning because he's drawing us back to the beginning of history. This is the beginning of the Bible. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Basically, through his breath, through his word, things came to be. He said there was light. So there were the heavens and the earth. He filled the land and he filled the waters. And John's going all the way back to, in the beginning was the word, he says. And then he describes what the word is. He said the word was with God. The word was God. The word was there from the beginning. And by the way, the word, everything's made through him and everything is him. In other words, he's talking about God himself is the word. Now that matters because what he's about to say in terms of Jesus always being there, we'll come back to it, but I just want you to understand when he says the word, he's describing the very beginning of creation and what he's describing in Jesus where there's darkness and there will be light is he's saying it's a new day. Just like at the beginning there's a creation, something new is going on. 
And that's crazy when you think about it because it's a little baby born to a very poor family in a very impoverished time in a very unnoticed and impoverished way. And he's saying darkness goes to light. It's crazy to think about. I want to give you one more picture and then we'll look at this. And this actually is a picture. And I want you to see it because the word we're going to see is dwelling. Now this is a picture, kind of a simulation of what it was like for Israel Israel is a nation, and I, I want to just, in case you don't know the background of this, so we understand where we're going and how Jesus coming fits into this. Israel is in bondage to Egypt for 400 years, and even if you haven't been around the church, if you've seen the Ten Commandments, you know Moses comes up, God does all these plagues, Israel's freed, the waters are parted, they go through to new life, which by the way, it's also an image just as Israel was in bondage to slavery, we are all in bondage to the darkness and the mess in our own lives that we call sin. So once Israel gets out in the wilderness, Moses says to God, I don't want to go unless you're going with us. And God says, not only will I be with you, I'm going to show you the way. Just look for me. So they build, and God has them build this. They build a place for God's presence to dwell, and they all basically camp around him. And what happens is there's this fire by night and this cloud by day, and what they're basically doing is they are building their lives around God. This is how they live in the wilderness, and it's that God dwells with them. Okay, that, just keep that in mind. That's the picture that we have from Israel and from the past. And that all matters because of what John's now about to say to us. And this is how he describes Jesus coming. The Word became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. Oh, we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, all I want to simply point out is what I believe this means and what I hope will be helpful to you. So when he says the word became flesh, what he's saying is God himself, the God who created everything, the God who breathed life at the beginning, basically came to live with us. That's Jesus. He's saying that's Jesus, the word made flesh. You want to know about this baby? It's Jesus. And it's not like God made Jesus and he suddenly just showed up. That was his first being. It's God who was there from the beginning, the Son became humanity. So when we hear things like the virgin is with child, and we go, that, is, that does not fix my mind. It is blown. I don't know what that means. I don't want us to think of it as intellectual dishonesty. Think of it as intellectual humility. Because if the very God who made everything wants to come and be with us, is it possible he could do it in a way that doesn't make sense to us? And I would say yes, and that's exactly what John's saying. Hey, this word, this God who was from the beginning came in the flesh, came in this really humble way as a baby in vulnerability and helplessness, came to a family that had no power, no pedigree, no future in the shadow of an empire they could never overcome. And guess what? Somehow through that, darkness will become light and everything can change. But I love what he says afterwards because he's describing what Jesus came to be and do. He made his dwelling among us. In other words, what Jesus came to do in the flesh was to be in the center of our lives. And as we respond and discover him, we build life around him. In fact, I want you to kind of picture it this way. As you see the flames and as you look at it, kind of that center of where God is. Think of God here being in the center and we're all, who we are, are built around him. So every one of us is a little tent all the way around him. You getting it? I know you want a bigger tent, a nicer tent, but that's the tent you got. So I want you to picture when Jesus came, he came not just to die for us and free us from sin and offer new life, his very presence. He came that we would be with him, that we would know him, that our lives would face him. And in case you don't know what this means is the best thing Jesus gives us is him. And the reason I want to say that to you today is we don't live this way. We live like this. And, and I'll start with me. 
we have our tent over here, and we go wherever we go, and we go, hey, God, would you bring the light over here to where I am? Oh, God, would you bring the light over here to where I am? Oh, God, I got this going on right now. You bring light over here? Now, now we start this at an early age, you realize. Have any of you had crazy, weird things you asked God for, really believing at a young age you would do it? I asked to be Jim West, Wild Wild West Jim West. And I really believed it would happen. I opened the base of my trundle bed every night and said, God, you make the costumes and the cool stuff show up. And I really believed the light was going to come. Now you may go, what is wrong with you, dude? That is just not right. But can we agree that we do this all sorts of ways through our life? Could we agree that what we do is we get into life and we go, man, I am lonely and life is hard. Would you bring your life right here and make things better for me? Oh, oh, you know what, God, I'm, I'm lonely and, and I, want, I want to find someone that I'll build my life with. Would you shine the light and help me find the right person? And then guess what? They don't do all that we think it's going to be. Oh, God, would you give me kids? Oh, shine the light on there. That'll make it better. Oh, oh, God, would you shine the light of sleep for me while they don't see the light so they will sleep? Oh, God, would you help them to obey me and actually respect me and revere me? And would you help them do things that make me look? We ask God to bring the light on very unique, selfish things, don't we? And make no mistake, we do this in every area. We don't, we don't say, Jesus, if you really loved us, if you really did what you're supposed to do, then wherever I am, you need to come over here and change this. That's what you came to be is the light where I go and what I do. You know what? I'll tell you what, my life's pretty rough right now, and there's broken relationships. You're going to bring your light over here? Oh, and by the way, this is a great one. I'm going to go back to the Psalms where it says, take them and dash them against the rocks. My life will get better when they're taken out. Just take them out, God. I guess you're not as violent as I am. Maybe it's just show that they're bad. But we want God to move, and we're upset when he doesn't bring the light the way we want, where we want, how we want it. We look at him as what he brings to us, not as who he is. We say, well, if God's really good, it's what he brings to us. And in case you don't know, this is really one of the places that both causes us to be a bad witness to people that don't know Jesus and causes people that don't know Jesus, which may, there may be some of you here to go, man, why would I want to follow that if this is who God is, that he comes and does what these people want? And you know we're doing this right now. Oh, God, would you shine the light on how I think right and the people around me don't? I mean, God, would you show how wrong they are? Show them how my politic is right. Show them how my belief about issues are right. Show them how the way they live. We somehow think if God would come over here and make it different, that's what will reveal himself to the world. Make me look good and seem right. And then you know what it does for us and it does for the people that don't know him? Then we start to say, God, when bad things happen, like disease comes, relationships break up, work didn't turn out the way we thought, we lose a job, things don't go ahead. We're like, Jesus, why is the light not shining where it's supposed to? And people that have built their life saying, your light should come to where I am and give me what I want are disheartened because it didn't go the way we thought it should. And then people outside of us that look in go, why would I want that? And if that's the God you follow, why would I want to? Because we're looking and saying, what do you give me, not who are you? So what I want to invite you to do this Christmas is to consider that Jesus came for us to build our lives around him. That who he is is better than what he brings. That what would it be for you and I actually to learn to know him and discover who he is, not, oh, what do I get for knowing who you are? This is one of the things, and, and I, I struggled with, and I do still in my own life, oftentimes what I'm thinking is I would rather God produce something for me than I would actually know him. And I want you to consider what's better, what God gives us or who he is. It's who he is. And this is the fun thing I've getting, I get to see over my whole life, and I continue to grow watching you and many others. 
Do you know what it's like when you see a little kid and they be, begin to discover who Jesus is? Do you know they don't look at, at everyone around and go, well, you know, I'm not sure what theologically what this means, and I'm, you know, let's be reasonable. They just go, I'm enamored. I want to keep knowing him more. And then all of a sudden their parents see these little kids, folks, and they go, man, they've got something I don't. And grandparents see it, and you're like, how is a little kid having an easier time looking at Jesus than I am? Have you ever seen a little kid with faith that sees him, and you go, man, I want more of that? How about our teenagers? It's been crazy. We've been watching, it, particularly of late, as they're just beginning to learn to read the scriptures. And by the way, the scriptures, one of the way we know, know Jesus, they're not reading it so they can learn things they're supposed to do, not that it's bad. They're reading it to actually say, God wants to reveal who he is to me, and I want to know him. And when you hear from a student, I can't believe what I'm learning about him. I want to know him more. Do you realize that's different than saying, oh, go over here so that God will bring what you want to your life and make it better? Because guess what? Knowing him is better than what he brings to us. That's what we're learning from our students, from those who walk after us and walk even behind us. And I've got to tell you, I've seen this over and over again. One of the places that always is profound to me is I will have times I've interacted with couples and, and interacted with families and interacted with different places where relationships have broken down. And people often want to pursue Jesus so that it fixes the relationship. But really what they're wanting is him as a means to an end. And what I find is anytime they can turn and look to who he is, I can't tell you the relationship always gets restored, but I can tell you their relationship with everything changes. Sometimes it builds back and sometimes it doesn't, but it's different. Because who he is is better than what he brings. It's crazy. I've been amazed to watch and sit with people who go through just horrible issues with life-threatening illness to death. I've sat with people and prayed and watched people get healed, and we've thanked God for it. I've sat with people and watched them not get better, and we've ushered them into eternity. And both groups, as they look at Jesus, want to know him more. Because they're not taken by whether they get what they want. They're taken by who he is, whether things get better or not. We get to see life change from 30-year-olds to 80 to 90 to all the way through 100, whatever it is. And it's crazy when you see someone in their mid-80s that's never been able to change, that's always looked at Jesus from a distance, and if they haven't, they're like, well, make my life better. And they suddenly turn to him and find out who he is. And guess what? They start loving people different and living differently. I watch people in their careers change, not because they even move jobs, but because now as they're looking at Jesus, they go into their job differently, and they have a new calling on how to love people because of the way they're learning who he is. And that's whether they stay in their job or they go across the globe to something else, that from place to place and way to way, Jesus does go with us, but it's as we look at him for who he is, not for what he gives us. And that's what John's saying here. You want to know what? He made his dwelling among us. We get to see his glory. We get to see the greatness of who he is, and he's full of grace and truth. And in case this isn't clear to you, what it means is Jesus will always look at us honestly and bring truth through us, but he'll do it in kindness and love. That's how forgiveness comes. He doesn't come and go, everything that you're doing is great. Let's just endorse everything. And he also doesn't come and look at you and go, oh, it's time for me to get the list out and just run you down. He goes, I see it all. And I not only died for you, I want to live in relationship with you. I came to dwell with you. Very simply this, knowing Jesus is better than anything he can do for us. When John tells the story, that's what he's saying. The word made flesh, made his dwelling among us. You and I can see the glory of him. And guess what? We can live as sons and daughters of him. He says it in another part of the letter. All it takes is believing and we're born of him.
I want to pray for us with this in mind today that somewhere God would speak to you. I think for some of you, it could be a movement today. I think for others of you, it might be just a, a step where you go, I need to ask more questions and learn more. I think for some of us who follow him, it's a different movement from God, come meet me where I want you to. to I'm going to turn and discover who you are. And by the way, one thing I didn't emphasize is, but you saw it in the picture, it's not just your tent with him, it's all of us together. In other words, God didn't make you to be alone to discover him, he made us to be together in it. So when you sit alone and go, it's just me and him, it's just me and my own thing, you have missed the very design. Jesus came to dwell with us. Not just you and not just me, but us. Let me pray for us with this in mind. Lord, I do ask that you'd reveal Jesus to each of us here as we need you today. God, I pray for those with doubts, those who've looked and seen our own hypocrisy as followers of you in ways we should have lived but haven't. God, would you help them to see that we've just missed it? And would you gently whisper to them, hey, look to me, don't look to what I bring. Who I am is better than that. Would you show them the goodness of your grace and truth? God, for those of us who follow you, would you awaken us that we wouldn't walk to a sideline, but we'd walk directly towards you and walk together in that. So I'm asking for fresh understanding and revelation and just even a move of your spirit that this would not just be a nice ritual, but awakening and a reawakening for us. I pray this in your name. Amen.